0: Something to note, all myths have many versions and variations. For this episode, we've selected those we felt are the most dramatic and entertaining and supplemented them with additional research into K'iche' Mayans. Our myths may not be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. Hunapu stared down at the dead child. The boy's lifeless body was swollen, a mess of broken bones and open wounds. The effects of the giant Zipakna's rampage. Hunapu looked back into the jungle. The boy's blood dotted the dirt path like a map leading back to the site of the slaughter.
1: Zipakna may still be there.
2: After killing all those children, you don't think he would flee?
1: Why would he? The giant is scared of no one.
2: If we don't get to him before he finds out about his father's death.
1: Then it's our own death we'll have to worry about.
0: Hunapu sprinted down the dirt path, his twin sister, Shibalanke, right behind him. The closer he got to the river, the more he noticed the overwhelming stench of death. It was pungent, laid thick over the jungle like a dense fog. Hunapu rounded the last turn in the trail and slowed to a stop. His jaw fell open. The giant pit before him was filled to the brim with the bodies of hundreds of enslaved children.
1: This is a nightmare.
2: How could one giant cause this much destruction?
1: Zipakna was insulted by the ruse. We caused this sister. We should have never brought them into our
2: plot then we would be dead too. And Seven Macaw would be well on his way to taking over the world. We must avenge these children.
3: Filthy crabs, come back here!
0: They finally saw the giant at the edge of the river. Zipakna was swatting at the water, clumsily attempting to catch crabs with his hands. His long snout hung down, making him look like a humanoid crocodile. His torso was stained dark red from the blood of his victims. Hunapu looked back at the pit of bodies, and his heart filled with rage. He wasn't sure if he and his sister had what it took to take on Zipakna alone, but they were certainly going to try. Welcome to Mythology, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every Tuesday, we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today we're concluding the story of the Hero Twins, a pair of young deities from K'iche' Mayan mythology. After losing an arm and defeating the evil seven macaw, the twins are left to deal with his barbaric offspring. A warning, today's myth contains dramatizations and discussions of violence, child slavery, and murder. Please exercise caution for all listeners under 13. Coming up, the hero twins set a trap.
2: New season out on Spotify soon.
0: Hunapu and Shibalanke stood side by side next to the pit of carcasses. What had once been intended as a foundation for Zapakna's temple was now a mass grave. Kunapu was overwhelmed with guilt. He and his twin sister had hatched the plan to lure Zipakna into the pit, but it was the enslaved children that suffered when the plan backfired. Now, without their grandparents to back them up, they had to figure out a new plan. Not far away, Zipakna carelessly bobbed for crabs in the nearby river. The twins ducked out of sight behind the vegetation to watch him.
1: Do you believe it was worth it? Killing seven macaw?
2: I don't think these children would call us heroes.
1: We can't let their deaths be for nothing. We must avenge them.
2: He murdered these children for trying to defy him. What do you think he'll do when he discovers someone murdered his father?
1: Kill the whole world. Any chance you've got one more plan you've been holding back?
2: Zipakna doesn't seem concerned with anything other than catching crabs. He hasn't even washed off the blood.
1: Yes, it's atrocious, but what are we going to do?
2: Well, if he wants a crab so badly, maybe we give him one.
1: What do you mean?
0: Shibalanke turned from her brother and stared down at the river. The giant Zipakna stood knee-deep in the murky water. He thrust his massive hands beneath the surface over and over again. Each time, he came up with nothing more than fistfuls of wet sand. Shibalanke motioned for her brother to follow, then scurried over to a pineapple patch on the side of the road. After searching through the plants for a moment, Shibalanke pulled out a pineapple and held it out for Hunapu to inspect. You want to eat at a time like this?
2: No, look! We make a crab. We'll use the pineapple shell for a body and make its legs out of blue and red flower petals.
1: Zipakna may be dumb, but I don't think he's that dumb.
2: Not if we leave it out in the open, but if we hide it.
1: Somewhere dark. We could use it to set a trap.
2: Exactly. We just need to find the right spot.
1: There.
0: Hunapu pointed off the trail back into the jungle. At the base of the mountain was the wide mouth of a dark cave.
2: Of course. The Jar cave. A wide mouth and a tiny tunnel out the other side. I can barely fit through it.
1: Hide the crab in the middle. He'll see it and won't be able to pass it by.
2: Exactly. Then, we roll a boulder in front of the entrance and trap him. I'll hurry and make the crab. You go convince the monster to go to the cave.
0: Hunapu felt a chill run down his spine as Shibalanke wrapped her arms around him. They didn't have time for a long goodbye. She quickly pulled away and went to work plucking long, pointed petals for the crab's legs. Hunapu turned from his sister, his hands shaking. It was up to him to convince Ipakna to go to the cave? That sounded like a Shibalanke job. She was much better at getting people to do what she wanted. Perhaps he should be the one in charge of making the fake crab. But from the corner of his eye, the mass grave came into view. He had already let enough people die for their plans. He couldn't do that to his sister. He took a deep breath and steadied himself. Hunapu approached. He had never been this close to Zipakna before. The giant was terrifying. While he and his sister always knew Seven Macaw was dangerous, his sons were somehow even more terrifying. They had all of the vanity of their father with a nasty streak that even Seven Macaw couldn't match. Seven macaws' cruelty and destruction was always purposeful in the pursuit of power. His sons destroyed things because they could. Up close, Zipakna's crocodile-like face was quite fearsome, but Hunapu couldn't afford to be scared at the moment. He had set the trap for this monster. Hunapu called out to Zipakna as he approached the riverbank.
1: Good day, my lord. No luck fishing?
0: Zipakna whipped around to face Hunapu. His snout turned up in a cruel grin. Hunapu tried not to flinch.
1: What I mean is, uh, you seem vexed.
3: Hello there, little one. Yes, these blasted crabs are too fast today. I am desperate for a snack, and I've yet to catch a single one.
1: Why, they look too small to satisfy a giant like yourself, Zipakna
3: you know who i am of of course
1: you are the strongest creature in the rainforest i do not believe there is a single being unaware of your might
3: i could name a few those wretched slaves for one they thought they could best me with some childish trickery bah it is a pity i did not leave any to build my temple but that pit shall be a tribute to my power
1: it is a shame you had to lower yourself to even touch such creatures
3: My thoughts exactly, but I worked up quite an appetite destroying those rats. And now I can't seem to catch my dinner. Ah, well, if it's a crab you're looking for. I saw a giant
1: one crawling around the mouth of the jar cave. It looked delicious.
0: Zipakna climbed out of the water. Hunapu could smell the death on him as the giant leaned down, eye level with him.
3: If the crab was so big, so tantalizing, why on earth would you walk past it, all the way down here to the river to tell me about it? Why not eat it yourself? Tell me, little one, why are you sharing such a treasure with the great, fearsome Sipakna?
0: Zipakna took a step forward, dagger-like teeth bared. Hunapu gulped. If he wasn't careful, he'd become Zipakna's dinner instead of the crab. Coming up, the hero twins find themselves in a tight spot.
4: Hi, listeners. It's Carter from Parcast. And I am thrilled to tell you about a new limited series I'm hosting just in time for Father's Day. It's called Devious Dads, and it introduces you to some of the most feared, fraudulent, and fatal fathers in history. Every Sunday on Spotify, discover the men who started out as role models and ended up becoming real-life criminals. Like Wall Street financier Bernie Madoff, whose billion-dollar Ponzi scheme destroyed countless families, including his own. Or Marvin Gaye Sr., whose envy and resentment towards his son's successful music career drove him to murder. Each episode of Devious Dads has been handpicked from shows across the ParCast network, shining a light on the men who are far more wicked than wise. This summer, catch a glimpse of the frightening side of fatherhood. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Devious Dads. Listen free only on Spotify.
0: Now back to the story. Hunapu tried not to look nervous as he stood before Zipakna, the giant, monstrous son of seven macaw. If Zipakna suspected that he was lying, he'd kill him in an instant. Hunapu's instincts screamed for him to run, but he couldn't. His sister's plan relied on him convincing Zipakna to follow him on a crab hunt. Unfortunately, the giant didn't seem too convinced. Zipakna's crocodile-like mouth opened slightly, a line of steaming drool slipping through pointed teeth.
3: You are not trying to trick me, are you? My slaves just tried that, and it did not work out for them. So answer my question. Why did you pass up this wondrous crab?
1: Well, you see, I didn't want to get near that creature. It it was terrifying. Its claws looked like they could snap right through my arm. But you're Zipakna. That crab would not stand a chance against you. I would hate to see it go to waste is all.
0: Zipakna snapped his jaws shut and stood up tall. He stared over Hunapu, gazing into the forest toward the jar cave. Hunapu lowered his head, averting his gaze from the giant. It looked like an act of fealty, but Hunapu mostly did it to hide his grin.
3: Yes, that makes sense. You are quite shrimpy. Excuse me, I'm a little on edge after the attempt on my life by those slaves. You can't turn your back on them for a minute. Now, this crab, what did it look like? Big yellow
1: body with long red and blue legs. It was crawling around the mouth of the cave, It must live inside. I've never seen anything like it before.
3: (sighs) It sounds tasty. Lead the way. What? Please lead the way to the jar cave. If I don't find the crab, I'm going to eat you instead.
0: Hunapu nodded. He hoped he had given his sister enough time to make the trap. Hunapu led Zipakna through the thick brush of the rainforest toward the cave at the base of the mountain. It was less of a cave than a long tunnel with a wide, cavernous mouth that narrowed into a tight, almost impassable bottleneck before it opened up on the other side of the mountain. Someone Hunapu or Shibalanke's size could barely manage to slide through the tiny passage, but for a giant like Zipakna, it would be a death trap. If he took the bait. Hunapu made it to the mouth of the cave. He stepped inside, Zipakna's breath hot on his back. He waited for his eyes to adjust to the low light, squinting deep into the cave, searching for his sister's homemade crab.
3: Now, where is that giant crab?
0: Hunapu crouched onto his knees. Deep in the cave, he could see the pinprick of light from the back. Then he saw it, sitting at the mouth of the bottleneck, Hunapu was quite impressed with his sister's handiwork. If he didn't know he was looking at a fake crab, he might be fooled too.
1: There, do you see it? Deep in the cave, right where it begins to narrow? It seems to be resting.
3: Ah, yes, it is a vicious looking little creature. Step aside.
0: Hunapu breathed a sigh of relief and stepped out to the mouth of the cave. He watched as Zipakna crouched low, stepping ever farther into the cave. The closer he got to the crab, the lower he had to stoop. Suddenly, Hunapu noticed something else. The crab was sitting at the front of the bottleneck. It made it easy to spot, but it was too far forward. Zipakna's body wouldn't get wedged in at that point. Hunapu scanned the cave, looking for any sign of his sister. Shibalanke was nowhere to be seen. Zipakna inched closer and closer to the crab. The ruse was going to be discovered in just a moment, and he was going to be eaten after all. Hunapu glanced over his shoulder. He wanted to flee, but he couldn't leave his sister to face the wrath of Zipakna alone. The giant was on his hands and knees, his shoulders pressed against the sides of the cave. He was getting close now, almost into a tight enough space that he couldn't get out. Hunapu debated running in from behind and attacking the giant while he was vulnerable. But then he froze. From in between Zipakna's knees, he could see the crab. He couldn't believe his eyes. It looked like the crab was moving. That's not possible. But it was moving, sliding farther and farther back into the bottleneck. Zipakna dropped on his belly, his stomach pressed against the dirt floor, and his back jammed against the ceiling, the stalactites cutting deep ridges into his back. Blood trickled down his substantial sides. Napu had lost sight of anything beyond the feet and backside of the giant. He hoped that whatever magic was moving the crab continued.
3: Blast! The thing keeps wiggling away from me! I won't be bested by a crab! Wait a minute. Boy, are you still out there? I, I seem to be stuck! Boy! Boy!
0: Hunapu watched as Zipakna thrashed and kicked, trying to wiggle out of his predicament. But the rocks dug deeper into his skin. He was stuck like a fish on a hook. Hunapu backed out of the cave and stood off to the side, covering his ears to block out Zipakna's cries from within. He searched around the mouth for a rock large enough to block the entrance.
3: Damn you, boy! I will devour you the moment I get out of here! Do you hear me?
0: Despite the giant's words, his voice didn't sound threatening. It sounded desperate. Zipakna wasn't going anywhere. Hunapu heard feet shuffling on the mountain above the jar cave. He spun around. It was Shibalanke sliding down the mountain. She had the pineapple crab in her hand. Even up close and in the daylight, it was still a pretty good fake. Is he stuck?
3: I'll kill you! Just wait until I get out of here!
1: Does that answer your question?
2: Definitively.
1: How did you get that crab to move? I couldn't believe it. I thought we were going to be caught for sure.
2: With magic.
1: We aren't grandma. We don't have magic powers. How did you really do
0: it? Shibalanke turned the crab around. Tied to the back of the shell was a long, thin vine. Shibalanke smiled.
2: I hit at the other end. Each time he inched closer, I tugged on the line, keeping it just out of his reach.
1: Brilliant move. Now let's get a rock rolled in front of the cave before he figures a way out of this trap.
0: Hunapu and Shivalanke turned toward the giant boulder that sat off to the side of the cave, but something inside the cave caught their attention. Zipakna viciously thrashed around in his trap. The rocks began to loosen, rolling off his back. Blood was everywhere, but the mighty Zipakna was getting himself loose. His massive body seemed to be breaking the rocks inside the cave. Hunapu panicked. He looked from the giant to the boulder and back to his sister. They wouldn't have enough time to get the rock in place before Zipakna broke free. He's moving the whole mountain.
2: The mountain is moving, but I don't think that's him.
0: The rumble grew louder. It wasn't just the rocks around Zipakna that were moving. Everything was moving. The cave, the ground, the mountain, the trees whipped back and forth above them. Shibalanke dropped the crab and grabbed hold of her brother's arm. It's an Hunapu and Shibalanke sprinted away from the cave as giant rocks rolled down the mountainside. Towering trees toppled all around them. Long, jagged fissures snaked out from under their feet as the ground tore apart. The jungle animals all cried out at the commotion. The world was coming down all around them. A deafening crash of rocks and earth rang out across the rainforest. It sounded like the world imploding. The force knocked Hunapu and his sister to the ground. As quickly as the earthquake started, it faded away. Hunapu helped his sister to her feet. The twins strained to see through the dust and rock that filled the air. They turned back to the cave, but the cave was gone. The whole mountain was gone, along with the mountain beside it, the one where Zipakna's father, Seven Macaws House, once stood. Everything behind them was a massive heap of rock, dirt, and trees, obscured by a wall of dust and smoke. Zipakna was never getting out of the cave now. A brutal, anguished cry filled the air. It was coming from the spot where Seven Macaws' home once stood. Hunapu's heart sank.
1: There's only one creature I know that can destroy mountains.
2: Cabra Khan, the living earthquake. And from the sound of it, I'd say he's just discovered his father's body.
0: Coming up, Hunapu and Shibalanke confront an enraged Cabra Khan. Now back to the story. Hunapu and Shibalanke crept along the battered trail through the haze of dust, back toward the pile of rubble where Seven Macaws House once stood.
2: There's no question.
0: No one could have done this but Cabra
2: Khan. There's a reason they call him the Living Earthquake.
0: Well, it looks like
1: tracking down the last of seven macaws family won't be much of a problem. Now, what do we do?
0: The ground beneath their feet began to shake again. Instinctively, the twins grabbed each other's hands. The haze was so thick that Hunapu couldn't see a foot in front of his face. Everything was a dingy brown, and tiny chunks of rock rained from the sky like hail. You stop. The twins froze. The voice came from above them. The hair on top of Hunapu's head fluttered with each heavy labored breath. He turned and looked up. A giant, dark mass loomed above them. The voice that boomed from it was deep and gravelly. It sounded angry.
3: Father is dead. Cabra Khan found him. Some evil creature gouged out his eyes and stole his beautiful teeth.
0: Hunapu didn't have time to respond before a massive hand wrapped around his waist and lifted him off the ground. He rose fast through the cloud of dust and continued to rise until he broke through into clean air. His sister was next to him, firmly held in the grasp of the giant's other hand, neither of them could move. Cabra Khan was even bigger than his younger brother. He looked the most human of Seven Macaws' family, without the jewels of his father or the snout of his brother. But what he lacked in flair, he made up for in bulk. Hot, granite-hard muscles covered his entire body. He certainly looked like the destroyer of mountains and the maker of earthquakes. Hunapu was speechless. Staring into the wide, enraged eyes of the monster, he had completely forgotten the plan. He looked to his sister. She gave him a calming smile. And then she addressed the giant, holding them both.
2: Cabra-Khan, we are honored to make your acquaintance.
3: Flattery will not work on Cabra-Khan. Cabra-Khan will destroy every mountain, every human, every living thing to find father's killer. You puny creatures, what are you doing so close to the scene of the crime? Cabra-Khan can only conclude that you might have seen something.
2: Unfortunately, we were close to the temples all day. We only came now because we heard about the death of Seven Macaw and wanted to pay our respects. The jungle has not shined as bright since it happened. But we did pass some strangers heading east yesterday. They might be of some assistance.
3: Did they say where they were heading?
2: I think they were going to Chikak.
3: The Mountain of Fire?
2: Yes. Those... Godless heathens were going on and on about how they worship no deities, only the Mountain of Fire. I wonder... But no, that can't be it. What? It's just... I was thinking. What if they killed Seven Macaw because his glory was greater than their precious volcano?
3: Yes, detestable humans. Cabra-Khan will destroy their mountain of fire and every mountain between here and there. And Cabra-Khan will enslave this world just as father wanted. His dream will live on. Because you two have helped, Cabra-Khan will show you mercy.
2: Thank you, generous Cabra-Khan.
3: Yes, for your service. I will give you a quick death.
0: Cabra-Khan dropped the twins. They landed in a heap by his feet. Hunapu stared through the dust in horror as Cabra-Khan raised his fists high above his head, ready to bring them crashing to the ground. Stop!
3: Who are you to tell Cabra-Khan to stop? This is an honorable death.
1: If you destroy everything between here and Chicok, they will know you're coming. We know a back road to the volcano. Let us lead you there. You will catch them off guard.
0: There was a long, lingering pause as the giant gazed down at them. Hunapu held his breath, awaiting an answer.
3: Even prepared, they would not pose a threat to Cabra Khan, though it would be better if they did not retreat like cowards.
1: Exactly. Avoid alarming them and you can take your time destroying them. You don't want to rush something like that.
0: Cabra Khan unclenched his fists and gestured for the twins to lead the way. Hunapu nodded to his sister. He hurried up ahead of Cabra Khan, just out of earshot.
2: Quick thinking back there. Now we just have to find some way to distract him and slip away.
0: We can't. He's
1: eventually going to find his way to Chikak and kill everyone there. We can't let that happen.
2: Of course not. Not after what Supakna did to those children. But at least we have some time to come up with another plan.
1: No need. I've already got one.
2: You have a plan? Don't sound so surprised. I'm just teasing you. But what do you have in mind?
1: Keep your eyes peeled for those small flowers along the side of the road.
2: The orange ones? Aren't they poisonous?
1: But they smell wonderful. Gather as many as you can carry.
0: Hunapu winked at his sister, trying to look more confident than he felt. Then he pulled out his blowgun and began scanning the treetops. They'd only gone a few more steps when a large blue bird darted out of the canopy. Hunapu pressed his lips to the gun and fired. The dart struck the bird beneath the wing and it plummeted out of the sky. As Hunapu hurried ahead to retrieve it, he heard Cabra Khan clap behind him.
3: Good shot. Thank you.
0: All day long, the three walked. Hunapu killed every bird he saw, and Shibalanke picked every orange flower she passed. By nightfall, Hunapu had at least a dozen birds, and his sister had an armful of flowers. Hunapu stopped walking and turned back to his giant companion. The massive humanoid was breathing heavily, visibly winded.
1: Cabracan, I know you never tire, but our bodies are weak. We need to eat and rest. Mightn't you allow us to stop and make camp for the night? Cobra
3: khan could walk from one end of the earth to the other without stopping. But if you must, Cobra khan will allow it.
0: Hunapu gathered firewood from around the trail. Cabra Khan pulled the tops off of three trees and made himself a comfortable bed from their leaves. The giant laid down and quickly fell asleep. The moment his eyes were closed, Hunapu piled the wood and made a fire. He cleaned all the birds, plucking their feathers and gutting them.
2: Sister, bring me your flowers. What do you have planned? Just do it.
0: Shibalanke handed Hunapu her sack of flowers. He took handfuls of the flowers and stuffed them inside the birds. Then he slid the birds onto a long spit and hung it over the fire. Slowly, the birds began roasting. The smell of the savory fats of the bird mixing with the sweet flowers permeated the air.
3: What is that intoxicating smell?
1: Oh, this? That's just the birds I was roasting for dinner.
3: Would you like one? Step aside, puny creatures. Let Cobra Khan eat.
0: Cabra Khan rolled off his bed of leaves and moved over to the fire. He picked up the spit with one hand and held it high above his head. In one quick motion, he slid his fingers down the skewer, dropping all the birds straight into his mouth.
3: Oh, delicious. Such rich flavor. <coughs> Spicy. <coughs> Not too spicy for cabra Khan, of course, but what herbs did you-
0: cabra Khan's eyes went wide. His face turned red and then blue. He dropped the spit and clawed at his throat, watering eyes bulging from his skull. They suddenly fixed on the twins.
1: Get this. Run Shibalanke
0: Hunapu grabbed his sister's hand and ran. He heard a loud rumble behind him as Cabra Khan lurched forward. He winced, half expecting the giant to snatch them up at any instant. But when he glanced back over his shoulder, he saw the giant wobbling precariously back and forth.. <laughs> Cabra Khan gave a last desperate gasp, then his eyes rolled back into his head and he toppled forward. Hunapu's eyes went wide and he picked up speed, pulling Shibalanke along as the giant's enormous shadow closed in on them. Cabra Khan hit the ground with a massive, booming thud, crushing the fire, and just barely missing Hunapu and Shibalanke, the impact shook the earth so violently that the twins were thrown into the air. They hit the ground and rolled, coughing and choking on the disturbed dust. When it finally cleared, Hunapu looked up into Cabra Khan's slackened face.
1: Is he really?
2: We did it! We killed the last of seven Macaw's clan!
1: We did. We couldn't save the children, but at least no one else will suffer at their hand.
0: Father would be proud.
1: Yes, I think he would.
0: The twins wrapped one another in a hug. Their long journey was over. The world was safe, and they could finally go home and rest. Their reputation spread throughout the land as the ones who finally stopped the giant's reign of terror, not just among the humans, but among the gods as well. Never again would they live under the long shadow of their father. Now they had a legend of their very own. The hero twin story was preserved when the Spanish were busy colonizing all of Central America. They destroyed all of the Mayan artifacts they could find, be it idols or books, in the name of God and country. But through the quick thinking of one anonymous Quiche Mayan, their stories were saved. Though no one knows the original author, The Popol Vuh has been called the greatest collection of pre-colonial voices in Central America. It would have been lost to time, thrown into the burning pile of Mayan books along with the others, if it hadn't been for friar Francisco Jimenez. It wasn't saved for posterity or even noble purposes. Francisco Jimenez translated the book in an attempt to show other clergy members the evils of the Quiché myths. But for the K'iche' Mayans, the purpose of the Popol Vuh was to preserve their way of life at a time when it was being erased, when violent interlopers were showing up on their shores and denouncing their traditions and culture as sinful. Despite the colonizers' best efforts, at least some of the K'iche' Maya myths survived. Not through might or steel, but through the clever work of one person. Hunapu and Shibalanke would approve. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with another myth. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every Wednesday we dive into another dark classic tale. We'll be back next time with another epic story. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Brian Golub, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Mythology was written by Jesse Harris, with writing assistance by Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Bennett Logan, and research by Adriana Gomez. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Tiana Camacho, Joe Hernandez, and Dan Velasquez. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
4: Hey there, Carter again. As we close out, here's a reminder to check out my new Parcast limited series, Devious Dads. For 10 weeks, we're exposing the men who are far more flawed than fatherly, ruining anyone who stood in their way, even their own families. Follow Devious Dads free only on Spotify.